0: Hey, Eric. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, didn't we get rid of segregation? No, we're talking about cost segregation. And
1: that's what we're talking about today.
2: Welcome to the Utah Real Estate Show podcast, the show where two agents and a lender teach real estate best practices by talking through mistakes we've seen and made.
1: Think about it this way. You buy a building today for a million dollars, you own it for five years, and you sell it five years from now for two million, okay? So when you go settle up with Uncle Sam and the IRS, they're gonna say everything doubled in value. You bought it for a million, you sold it for two million, you have to pay tax on that million dollars of gain. Mm -hmm. So that is true, your walls doubled in value, your land is probably double in value, but the dirty, nasty carpet in here isn't worth double what it was when I bought it for five years ago. And when you don't do a cost segregation study, that's what you do.
2: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Utah Real Estate Show. I am Tyler Kazer, Utah Real Estate Agent. Jason Kristiansen, Mortgage Lender.
0: Eric West, Utah Real Estate Agent. And we have the infamous Eric Oliver That's with Cost Segregation this. Authority here to teach us a little bit more about some cost segregation stuff. Yeah. Yes. Welcome forward man. to
2: it. Thanks. So we we aired our last episode and we talked about cost segregation analysis yes. and we got a lot of feedback um, that people wanted to know more. And so, And we're not experts. Yeah, we're not experts.
1: (laughs) And so we decided, hey, let's get in touch with some real authorities. I watched the last episode and um, praise to Alex. Alex is a great resource. Um, He actually used to work for Cost Segregation Authority. And so Mm. he knows cost segregation very well and just wanted to come and try and elaborate on some of the topics that he talked about. Perfect. That's
2: good. Yeah, this is is great. I appreciate you coming. It really
1: is a cool topic.
2: So cost segregation analysis means, for those of you who haven't seen the previous episode, it means that you're taking depreciation at a nonlinear rate. Is that a safe way to say cool. that? And you're you're taking different chunks.
3: You're segregating right? The conflict yeah. yeah.
1: No, that's the, both of those are correct. So cost segregation really is just accelerated depreciation on your real estate assets. So one of the benefits of getting into real estate is you get depreciation, which you get to take as an expense against your income. Right. And depreciation is normally over 39 years for commercial buildings or 27 and a half for residential. And so what cost segregation does, it's just an engineering based study where like you said, we just come in and segregate the different costs into different buckets, which allows us to depreciate them at a much faster non-linear rate. Excellent. But if you're gonna go through the whole thing in 29 or 27 and a half years, why bother? Why bother? That's a great question. Well. One is time value of money. You know, I want my money today versus letting the IRS hold on to it for twenty-nine. Or excuse me, twenty-seven and a half for thirty-nine years. Right. And the second is a hot topic right now, which is inflation. You know, a dollar today is more than a dollar thirty-nine years from now. So give me my deductions today. And the way you do that is through segregating those different costs into different buckets um, and accelerating those depreciations at a much faster rate.
3: So you have a set amount that you can take over the perceived life of the property. Yep. If you take it all up front, it just doesn't happen later, right?
1: Correct, yes, so whether you do cost segregation or not, let's say you own the building for 39 years, let's talk about this office building. If I own it for 39 years, whether I do cost segregation or not, I'm getting the same amount of depreciation at the end of the day. One of them is gonna be an equal amount every year. You take the purchase price minus the cost of the land, Mm -hmm. divide that by 39 years, and that's your write off every year for the next 39 years. That's called straight line depreciation, standard depreciation. That's what a lot of people will do. That's what your CPA most often will do. Cost segregation is instead of taking a set amount every year, what if I can take under the current tax law, up to 30% of that amount in the first year, spread out the other 70% over the next 38 years at a at a slower rate. And the reason, again, we do that is for the accelerated depreciation, the mm-hmm. um, inflation, time value of money. Give me my deductions now, let me go reinvest it in a new property, let me buy down, uh, let me buy down my debt, what have you. So you hit something really quick. So you're taking it all up front, rather mm-hmm. than- Not all of it, it. just uh, 30%. about
3: 30%, yeah. So you're taking what you can up front, and then you sell the property. Don't you have to repay that, or how does that work? I mean, you took it over, you took it one year, 30% of what you should have taken in 27.5 or 39. Right. And so then, Was the repayment.
1: So that's a good question. That's a question we get asked probably most often is, Eric, what happens when I sell this asset? Because when you sell an asset, you pay two types of tax. You pay capital gains tax, and you pay depreciation recapture tax. Recapture. And your recapture tax is calculated based on the amount of depreciation you've taken. And I'm up here saying, take all the depreciation you can, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Which then, in theory, you would think that when you sell the asset, you just have to pay, you have a bigger tax bill when you sell it. And in truth, The way it works is you're gonna take your deduction at a high ordinary income rate, so against your ordinary income. So let's say you're in a 35% tax bracket, federal and state combined. Take your deductions um, at your ordinary income rate, pay back a portion of it at a lower rate at a future date, and save the spread. So let me back into how that works because that's a little bit confusing. So think about it this way. You buy a building today for a million Mm dollars, you own it for five years, and you sell it five years from now for two million. Okay? So when you go settle up with Uncle Sam and the IRS, they're gonna say everything doubled in value. You bought it for a million, you sold it for two million, you have to pay tax on that million dollars of gain. Mm-hmm. Right. So that is true, your walls doubled in value, your land is probably double in value, but the dirty, nasty carpet in here isn't worth double what it was when I bought it for five years ago. Mm -hmm. Carpet is a five-year asset and should be depreciated over five years. So if I've owned my building for five years, what's my carpet worth after having it for five years? It's worth zero. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't be selling it for more than you bought it for five years ago. And when you don't do a cost segregation study, that's what you do. You buy it for a million, everything is on your depreciation schedule as one lump sum asset. It's not segregated apart, it's just building. You sell that building for two million, you have to account for that. But when you do a cost study, everything's segregated out, so I can say, well, my carpet wasn't worth anything when I sold it, so I don't have to pay recapture tax on my carpet. Oh. My countertops weren't worth anything when I sold it, because they're also a five-year asset. So, by doing that, you can allocate the sales price to the right buckets, and reduce okay. your recapture tax upon sale.
3: Crazy, but I mean, <laughs> still, there's a, there's a million there. I mean, if a million's a million, what difference does it make if your car lost the value and your wall's picked up more value?
1: Because you're shifting it from recapturing it at ordinary income rates to what capital gains rates, which are at 20% 25%. versus 35% counts, and saving yeah. the spread. Gotcha. So back to yeah. kind of what I first said, yeah. yeah, take your deduction at a high rate, pay back a portion of it, and that portion is dependent upon how long you've owned it, at a lower rate at a future date and save the spread and you get the time value of money yeah. and cash flow throughout the whole seven years of ownership. First time it's been
3: explained that, that I actually got is, it. That is yeah. the <laughs> explanation.
1: It's the Yeah, it's a tough concept, but that's, if you remember anything, don't sell your dirty, nasty carpet for more than you bought it for, that's, and that's what a lot of people end up doing yeah. by not doing a cost segregation so study. Tell me if I'm stupid, which wouldn't be the first time.
3: So you're cost <laughs> segregating, lowering your taxable amount at your current tax bracket. So right. Thirty-seven percent for time. Yes. Right? Oh, oh yeah. And so <laughs> that's what I'm at. Guys. And then when you're you're selling that property at capital gains, you're being hit at twenty.
2: Hit at twenty, and you're
1: saving, saving the spread.
2: seventeen. Yep. So theoretically, if an investor somehow was able to offset their taxes so much that they were paying in the fifteen percent tax bracket or something like that, yes, this would actually be a detriment that because it, now they're paying a twenty percent tax. Maybe twenty uh, percent capital gains tax on a 15%. well
1: capital gains. If is they're if they're only paying it, well. yeah, graduated as well. So you can oh, either pay zero, yeah. 15, or twenty. So if they're only paying fifteen. Percent at their income rate, then they're probably not in the 20% capital gain. So they would be right. at a lower capital gain. So there's usually a spread so there. So it's, it's still in their favor. Yeah. Whether but or not. But then like
0: you said, it also depends on how long they're planning on holding it to because now they wrote all that off, which they needed that write-off for whatever they're doing. So now they can use that for the next several years as well. Yeah. Correct. So.
3: Yeah. So I see a lot of taxes because I calculate income off taxes with people mm-hmm. who have properties, right? And I've seen just like a chunk in depreciation right a a very healthy chunk so i I assume they've done cost segregation and the cpas i mean how do they come up with the number i I, i'm not going to say but like my cousin had a dream once that a cpa was just throwing in numbers (laughs) sure how is this calculated why do you do a study
1: (laughs) that's a great question so yes um there's actually this is going to be a little bit in the weeds, and I try not to get in the weeds, but we like I'm kind of a cost segregation nerd. And so there was a new context. audit guide that came out for cost segregation from the IRS that tells the agents how to review these studies. And in the audit guides, the number one thing says that you have to have both tax knowledge and construction knowledge to be able to to do a cost segregation study. So your CPA has the tax knowledge, but they probably don't have the construction knowledge to be able to say, what is the parking lot worth? Your CPA doesn't know if that's six inch concrete, four inch concrete or two inch concrete. And so they really shouldn't be putting a value to what your concrete is worth without having some type of construction background. So there are CPAs out there. There's actually even software out there, kind of a do it yourself cost seg software. It's kind of like the TurboTax in our industry where Mm -hmm. it's very inexpensive, but the results that you get are really conservative. And the reason they're conservative is because if they were ever to be audited, they would have a hard time substantiating those numbers because there's no backup documentation to do it. So what we do at our firm is an engineering based study where we basically reverse engineer a building. And it's not just the stuff that you see, like we're in in an office here, there's a TV on that wall. That TV is a five year asset. So whatever the value of that TV is, let's say the value is $800. But not only is that TV a five-year asset, there's a cord, a power cord behind that TV that's only specific. You wouldn't put a a socket on the wall for any other reason but for that TV. Mm -hmm. So we put a value, when we do our studies, we're going to put a value to the electrical work from that wall all the way back to the circuit breaker and say, okay, that was... $1,000 $1,000 worth of electrical work, so not only do we get to segregate the TV at five years, but also the electrical work for that TV as a five-year asset. So you're, let's see your oh, CPA man. do that. Right, <laughs> the CPA yeah, like Your cousin's CPA, let's see your cousin's yeah. CPA yeah. do that. Yeah. right? And so you start to think Turbo <laughs> about, or TurboTax, <laughs> yeah, how's TurboTax <laughs> gonna do that? So you think about like multifamily, let's look at multifamily for example, or even single family. How much of the electrical work that goes into a fourplex is specific for appliances, ceiling fans, garbage disposals, washers and dryers, um, a lot of it. It could be as much mm-hmm. as 50%. So if we determine that there's $100,000 worth of electrical work, in your fourplex, we can allocate 50,000 of that into short-term assets. And that's the stuff that typically your CPA or these do-it-yourself cost segregation programs aren't able to capture. So do you do Mm -hmm. an inspection of the property? We do. So the IRS, in the audit guide, it says that the property should be inspected um, by a third party. So we'll come out, either do it virtually through like a video conferencing app, or we will um, send one of our engineers out to view the property. They're gonna be looking at what type of flooring you have, the linear, how many linear feet of cabinets you have, countertops, all the different components that can be segregated, and then we come back, compile the numbers, and then provide you and your CPA a, a revised depreciation schedule, and, and the report to back it up.
0: Oh, I love that. Sounds awesome. These, these are the the things that I like to hear when you're <clears throat> thinking about getting into real estate investing, there's more than just one way of making money. Mm-hmm. buying a place or looking at, looking at a place you know, looking at that backside on the taxes and understanding it. But there's got to be, it can't work in every scenario that there's, or does it? Does, no. it, does it work in single family homes? Cause you can't do it on your own primary residence. It's not an correct? investment property.
1: It, has to, be it has, investment investment. has to be an investment property, revenue generating mm-hmm. property. Um, it if, sounds like it
0: better in big commercial. What if I
1: verbo one of the
3: rooms in my house? Can I cost-segregate?
1: Potentially, so we would run the numbers <laughs> to see if it makes sense. Sometimes, depending on how much your house is, it's all based on your depreciable basis, which is your purchase price minus land. Mm-hmm. So if you have a $2 million, yeah, million dollar home, mm-hmm. and you rent out half of it, that's a million dollars worth of basis, that's gonna get you a huge write-off. Now, if you have a $200,000 home, and you rent half of it, that's 100000 of basis, that's not gonna get you such a good write-off, and it's probably not worth paying to have a, gotcha. a, well, a study done on a $100,000 property. How much does the study cost? Great question, so um, typically studies range anywhere from $3,000 up to $50,000 for a ski resort with multiple lodges and restaurants. I know that's a wide range. Kind of going back to your question, I'll tie it into Mm -hmm. the cost, is you know, if you would've asked me five years ago, does cost segregation make sense on single family homes, I probably would've said no, because at the time, the benefit wasn't what it is today, and the fee was much higher. So there's been some changes in the tax law, with bonus depreciation. and so now the benefits have gone up. And so we suggest doing anything, having somebody look at anything with a basis of over two hundred thousand. So if your purchase price is three hundred thousand, your land is worth a hundred thousand, that gives you two hundred thousand of depreciable basis. And we should look at it because in theory, we can generate on a two hundred thousand dollar home probably a sixty thousand dollar deduction, that's about thirty percent. And then that sixty thousand dollar deduction, if you can reduce your taxable income by sixty thousand, and you're in a 30% tax bracket that's an $18,000 tax savings. So it might cost you 3, mm-hmm. but you're going to save 18 in taxes. I'll take that all Probably day
2: worth long. It, yeah. So what, but but it can and it can go for multiple years, right? If you don't, you don't Yeah. If you, you don't, don't use it the entire old. first yeah, year. Yeah. So if you have that 60 can roll over to the second exactly. year or third or fourth. Okay. Yeah,
1: so if we create a $60,000 deduction and you only show 20,000 of income on paper, we're going to offset that 20,000 of income. You're going to pay no taxes on it and then the remaining 40,000 carries forward. Now, mm-hmm. you would ask a great question about when does it not make sense? And we, we probably need to address this is that there's something called active income and passive income. Mm-hmm. So real estate typically is considered a passive activity. So if I'm a W-2 employee at Cost Sague Authority and I invest in real estate on the side, my real estate income is considered passive income, not active income. My W-2 is my active income, right. but my real estate is my passive income. When we do these Cost studies, in my situation, those would be considered passive deductions, which means they can only be used to offset passive income, not my W-2 oh. income. Okay. Now, there are ways around that. You guys are all fortunate because you all work in the real estate industry, and so you're real estate professionals on your tax return, or you should be real estate professionals on your tax return, uh-huh. which means no matter what type of income you have coming in, and if you're married, let's say your spouse is a, a doctor and you do real estate, your because you're a real estate professional and file a joint tax return, the deductions that we create can be used to offset your real estate income, as well as your spouse's W excuse me W two or doctor income. Oh. So, being a real estate professional is kind of the golden ticket in terms of being able to fully maximize your tax savings with these cost save studies. If you're not a real estate professional but have passive income, so maybe I've got 10 properties and they're all cash flowing and I generate 200,000 sure. of income from those 10 properties, I would do a cost study to off that, offset that 200,000 of income. Um, but um, that's something that that's the time you when you wouldn't it. do it. If you have very little passive income and you're not a real estate professional, your spouse isn't a real estate professional, then it may not make sense. It may, may not make oh, sense to You burned right over
3: bonus depreciation.
1: Yes. What? The what? (laughs) So let's talk a little (laughs) bit about bonus because that's a great point. Everybody loves bonuses. Yes. Yes. So bonus depreciation has been around for a number of years. The IRS uses it kind of as a lever to stimulate the economy, to encourage people to go out and buy stuff, right? So if the economy is doing well, they'll lower the bonus percentage. If the economy is not doing so well, they'll increase the bonus percentage. Now, with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, that was... Donald Trump's tax overhaul. Now, as most of us know, Donald Trump owns a bunch of real estate, pays very little taxes. And so that tax provision was very favorable to real estate investors. And there was, bonus was around before that, but he kind of put bonus on steroids after that tax cuts and jobs. act. So two things happened. One is, back in 2017 at the time, bonus percentage was 50%. So 50% bonus. Now what that means is if I go buy a bulldozer, I get to take 50% of my depreciation in the first year, the other 50% gets spread out over the useful oh, life of that asset. Over now, Sheesh, at the time it was 50%, at the time it had to be a brand new bulldozer, I couldn't go buy an existing bulldozer, and whatever asset I bought had to have a useful life of 20 years or less. So normally you think, well, real estate's 27 and a half or 39 years, how does bonus apply to real estate? And the way it applies is if you do a Cossack study, we take that 39-year asset and now we've broken it up into some five-year assets, it's some seven-year assets. Yeah, exactly, yeah. some seven-year yeah. assets, some 15-year assets. Now, all of a sudden, those are eligible for bonus. So back prior to 17, if you built a brand new fourplex, had a cost seg study done, we would identify those five, seven, and 15-year assets and you would get to take 50% bonus, which was great. Fast forward to the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. When Trump passed that, two things changed. One, it changed from 50% to 100%. Mm. So any properties placed into service between 927 of 17 and 1231 of 2022, so the end of this year, are eligible for 100% bonus. And more importantly, they got rid of that provision about it having to be brand new, which means you don't even have to build a fourplex. I can go out and buy a fourplex today, put it in service before the end of the year, essentially write off 30% of that, because remember, I'm gonna segregate 30% of that into shorter asset life. So if I buy a million dollar building, I'm gonna segregate $300,000 or 30% into short asset lives, things of five, seven, and 15 year, mm-hmm. and I get 100% of those deductions all in year one. Wow. So I could, get, I could offset $300,000 of income by putting 200,000 down on a million dollar property which is crazy. That's
2: it's amazing. it's absurd, right? It's huge. So but when you say when you say put into service, I just want to be clear here. Yeah. We're not talking about buying the asset. If you have renovation on that property, um, you're talking about putting him to
3: service well, the first to show day of the first week, e, right? right if you have no income from well
1: not necessarily either. so you don't even have to have income so in service according to the IRS is avail- the definition according to the IRS now this is a gray area you'll want to talk to your CPA cuz all CPAs treat this differently i find gray areas really <laughs> really well yes okay, the gray, gray area. area so the gray area being the, the definition to the IRS of in-service means it's available for its intended use or purpose. Mm-hmm. So I could buy a property that's available, it's all cleaned up, it's ready to be rented. I may not have any income coming in, but if I've got it listed and I've got it, I'm out there marketing it. I may not right. show income for this year, but if it's available for its intended use or purpose, and I can document that in case I ever get audited, I can show my listing, I can show pictures of it. Okay. You may be able to say it's in service, even though you so haven't collected it. I any may income. or
2: may not have a triplex that's under renovation. <laughs> (laughs) right now. You're saying I need to have an ad for that triplex by December 29th. Yes.
1: Yes. And some pictures to show it's rent ready. Ready
2: to go. You might just take
1: pictures in one room. So long as it is ready
2: to rent (laughs) and has a listing by the end of the year, then I can do a cost segregation in 2023 and still claim the bonus depreciation for this year.
1: Yes. Or, <laughs> or <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll cut that out later. <laughs> um. Or, you can, if you need the deductions for 2022, you can even do a cost study next year, as long as you haven't filed your 2022 taxes yet, and take it on your 2022 tax return. Oh, so hopefully yeah. I didn't confuse anybody, but your, Cost seg study doesn't need to be done in the year you're doing your return. It needs to be done prior to you filing your tax return. So really for your 2022 tax return, you have until October of next year if you extend Mm -hmm. to get your cost seg study done and you can still use it on your 2022 tax. How long does a cost segregation study Take. Uh, typically takes around 30 to 40 days for us to complete the study I'll be honest with you a good portion of that timeline is trying to schedule that site visit um, sometimes that can take a week or two to get that scheduled okay. once the site visit is scheduled um, and for us to put the numbers everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah tenants and buildings and um, once that site visits done it usually takes about three weeks for us to get the results back to okay. you your CPA. So. I think for a lot of listeners, that passive income, active income thing can be a limit, limiting factor on yeah. whether or not they can use cost sure. segregation. Uh-huh. So there is something called a short-term loophole on short-term rentals. So if you think about a short-term rental, they get treated more like a hotel than they do a rental property. Mm-hmm. So if you have a short-term rental and you can... define sh- short-term in your world? Yeah, short-term in our world would be your Airbnbs, your VRBOs. How many days? 30 days? If the average stay is less than seven days and you can show material participation in the management of that property. Now there's seven different tests according to the IRS on what is constitutes material participation. Mm-hmm. I've seen some... Real good examples of that. One of them is that you provide substantial services. Again, everything's gray with the IRS, right? What is a substantial service? right? Mm -hmm. To one CPA, it means one thing. To another CPA, it means another thing. I've met of an investor, I don't know, I'm not gonna name names. One of the, their idea of substantial service, and it actually says in the IRS provisions, is transportation to or from the airport they put a bike out in the shed of their VRBO and call that transportation. Now, I guess in theory you could ride that bike to the airport and just leave it there. I don't know how that works, but um, I think that's probably pushing the envelope, but there are other methods that you can actually show truth to material participation. One, and one that we see most often is, um, you buy an Airbnb, if you spend 100 hours setting that Airbnb up, and more time than anybody else in that year, so more time than your cleaner, more time than your maintenance people, and you can show the average day is less than seven days, you can do a cost-sake study on that and use those deductions to offset your W-2 income. Wow. That's the key. So all of your high W-2 earners are now buying Airbnbs, showing material participation, which is there's one of these seven tests that you can show material participation and use those deductions to offset your W-2. So I'll give you a real case scenario, and then we'll we'll probably need to wrap it up, but um, so I'm a W-2 earner, my wife's a W-2 earner, right? So I have to pay the IRS in April my taxes. Uh Or I can take that money that I would have to pay them and go put it down on an Airbnb, show material participation, so we're closing on an Airbnb this week, we're going to put our 100 hours in before the end of the year, getting it set up, ready to get rent ready, mm-hmm. uh-huh. which means, and the, we're not gonna have hardly any listings before the end of the year, cause we're just closing on it. So I'm gonna spend more time than my cleaner, more time than the maintenance folks. And because um, the average stay is gonna be less than seven days and I've shown material participation, when I do a cost egg study on that, I'm gonna do a cost-sake study and on this property it's gonna generate about $140,000 deduction. So I'm gonna offset 140,000 of my W-2 income which at a 35% tax bracket, state and federal combined, I can't do that math in my head, it's close to that's between 100%. forty and $50,000 in taxes that I don't have to pay. That's por- that's a good portion of my down payment on this property. Yeah. So the idea is I can either give my money to the IRS or I can be smart about it, get a smart tax manager, tax professional that's gonna help walk me through this stuff and say, okay, instead of giving your 50,000 to the IRS in April, go buy a short-term rental, show material participation, use that 50000 as a down payment. My short-term rental, I, do, I want it to cash flow a little, but I'm not so worried about the cash flow. Mm-hmm. I'm getting a $50,000 tax savings by buying that property. I'll keep it for a few years, I hope it appreciates, maybe it'll start to cash flow, which is great, but that's, that's how you grow, that's how you create wealth, is by having, and that's one last thing I'll just leave everyone with, is get yourself paid to have a good CPA, Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Don't. Yeah. If any of you guys are investing in real estate or own properties, don't use TurboTax. Don't do this yourself. Whatever you have to pay, <laughs> and none of us are CPAs yeah. here, so I'm not promoting any of us no, here. I'm but just saying that's good no advice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying. Surround, surround yourself with experts. A, C, a good CPA. Is worth everything they charge you because they're going to save you so much money on taxes and so mm-hmm. many deductions they're going to find that if they're charging you two thousand dollars to do your tax return and you're like, well, that's a lot. I could get it for at Costco for one hundred and fifty for TurboTax. Mm-hmm. It's you know the ten thousand dollars that they're going to save you on top of the two thousand you pay is well worth it. Yeah, and so yeah. it washes I'll just, pretty fast. Yeah, it washes very quickly. So yeah. surround yourself with experts in, in terms of. CPA. Everything. Yeah. Get a good lender. Get a good real estate person. If you're investing in properties, don't go out and get your run-of-the-muck real estate agent. Find a real estate agent that focuses on real estate, that understands. I mean, it's a whole different ballgame, and you guys are all well versed more versed in this than I am, but Mm -hmm. find yourself a real estate agent and a lender that focus or that's familiar with investment properties because there's all kinds of different strategies that they can probably bring to your yeah, that's great sold. information. So I actually just closed on an
2: Airbnb. Oh, did you? Okay. We started doing our, we literally in our first week, we we locked up like 45 days of bookings, which was oh, nice. amazing.
0: Nothing averages of less than seven days.
2: No, but that's the problem. They're not right averages down. less than seven days. What are these, long-term bookings? So does that amazing? make me, well, no, they're like, some of them are two weeks, some of them are four weeks. You okay. know. I mean, so they're like, I guess we'll call them midterm. Sure. I guess I don't know. Well, if you
3: w- look at our short-term rental thing, one of the things they say is don't do just a couple of days.
2: Yeah, don't do know. don't do less than two days or three days, because no. you know, it, yeah. it keeps your stays
1: better. Right. So, so I'm glad I asked, <laughs>
2: like,
3: yeah. There's exactly start, do, yeah. You, know.
1: you can do both. So the, the nice thing is it's, it's, um, you would not pay me to go stay there 10 times for two days? <laughs> <laughs> Tyler, right, where, where is this property? <laughs> so somewhere it's, warm? It is right next to the airport in Salt Lake City, Oh, very so good, that's too cold day, for right. me. So, um, mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. the average stay. So you may have one listing for four weeks, mm-hmm. but if you have, Multiple two-day listings throughout the year. It's You take the total number of days it's rented out divided mm-hmm. by the unique number of renters, renters. Uh-huh. and if that's less than seven oh, which okay, typically man, yeah. on Airbnbs and B's it is. Even yeah. with those two-week stays or those three-week stays mm-hmm. um, typically you don't get a lot of those yeah. throughout the year and so it's the total number of days divided by the unique number of, of so tenants. So if
3: you have a tenant that comes for three days ten times a year fine. you stayed 30 days but it's a unique number of renters. Right. Mm-hmm. So he rented for thirty days once. Is that viewed?
1: No, no, no. I'm sorry. No, it's the unique number of stays. So okay, if you have okay, one, if they if they revisit that. your property multiple times, that's a different stay than the other so, But you, you can't do.
3: I have a max booking of seven days. If you want it for fourteen days, you'll need to book it twice. No.
1: You can. Hold on. Let me let me back you whatever, up. You can do whatever you it, want. There's a gray area. <laughs> there's you this gray area we talked Yeah. you're back shit. in the gray. Right. So, yes, you can do that. I was asking for Tyler. <laughs> yeah. 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 Asking for a friend. Just Tyler, you know. So, let me just clarify. With the IRS, everything is about intent. So, yeah. If you just throw a bike in your shed and call that transportation to and from the airport, they're going to say, really? Be prepared for when you get audited. That now, is. if you don't get audited, then it's fine. But the moment you get audited, yeah. they're going to throw that out and be yeah, like, ah, we caught you. When you get caught. That's right. We ask for forgiveness, not permission. Uh, right? <laughs> so just keep that in mind. Anytime you get audited, and I should touch on that. Cost segregation does not generate audits. So a lot of CPAs will think that cost segregation could generate an audit. Yeah. And so let me just clarify: we've been, in, we do, we've done, in the course of our business, we've done about twelve thousand studies. We've been involved in twelve audits. <laughs> Not a single audit was ever... We never had to correct any of our numbers. They just want to see that it was done correctly. And I believe the smallest audit we were involved in was on a $13 million tax return. So they're only going after the big people. And like I said, cost segregation in and of itself isn't going to create an audit. Hmm. But you do want to have documentation and backup. You know, you, if you're claiming real estate professional status, you want to make sure you document yeah, if you're it. you're going to do it, do it right. You yeah. got to do it right. Just It's just a peace of mind thing that most of us can sleep well at night. So
0: Man, I was... A lot
3: of info. That, Love was, it. that was that was a lot. I'm scared. I'm scared to ask. Like, what, what? What did you guys learn?
2: Well, my my key takeaway is that I need to talk to my tax professional and clear a, a cost segregation analysis because this sounds like a lot. It sounds like I need one. I don't know if I do or not, but I, I need to talk to some pros and, and figure that out. I'm getting a bicycle for one of my sheds.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's what you learned? (laughs) learned. You're going to go out and buy a bike tonight, right? Throw it in the shed. (laughs) Take the deductions. Right. You got it. Boom. White
0: bicycle. (laughs) Squeaky clean. (laughs) White. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, I just want to go back to what Tyler and actually all these guys said of your example of that Airbnb, you bought it with that intention already going into it. This is why I'm buying it for this cost, right. cost segregation to get this tax benefit. You're already spending it either in taxes to pay or a down payment. Right. So it's going it's, out. It's might going well. out. Yeah, right. you might as so well build your have empire. have that plan, talk to professional, and get going with what that what you're supposed to be doing.
1: Yeah. yeah. And I think going back to what you said, I'll just wrap up with um, most cost segregation companies will provide a free benefit analysis. So always get the numbers run, whether or not, it, you know you may be a great candidate, you may not. We would have to look, we'll partner with your CPA and say, hey, we know a little bit about your financial situation, your CPA knows more. So here's mm-hmm. what we can do as a cost segregation firm. We can generate this type of deduction, whether or not it makes sense for you to use it this year or not is between you and your CPA, that's that's the accounting. We don't make that decision, but we will partner with you and your CPA to help walk through that decision and kind of talk about different options, but ultimately get the numbers run so you can start having those conversations about, okay, here's what my income is gonna be. I need some type of deduction. Okay, I've got these properties. And we kind of failed to mention, this actually works on properties that you've owned in the past. So maybe you bought a property in 2015, never did a cost take study on it. You can still do a cost take study this year in 2022 and use those Deductions to offset. you still in service because it's here. still in yeah. service, and actually, we just catch it all up, and they're great candidates. But have the numbers run so that we can have the information and be make educated guesses. I guess. Okay. What I'm
0: One last quick question. Yeah. I know We got to get wrapping up. <laughs> what about other states? Like, it, does it does it happen only in Utah? Can your company do it in various states? How do you go about that? Because we know a lot of investors who have stuff yeah. everywhere.
1: Sure. So cost segregation is is a federal benefit. Well, let me back up, that's not true. Cost segregation can be used on your federal return as well as your state return. It's just a depreciation expense. Mm -hmm. Now there are 14 states throughout the country that don't conform to the federal bonus rules. You still wanna do cost segregation and accelerate those assets from 39 years to five years. Mm -hmm. But on your state return, for example, in California, you don't get that 100% bonus. So you still Mm -hmm. wanna accelerate it, you're just not gonna get as big a deduction. Um, And then as far as us being able to do it, yeah, we service all 50 states. Um, love doing site visits in Hawaii. Um, <laughs> I send <laughs> Rhett in my office to do site visits in North Dakota, there so. There you are, yeah, just like that. <laughs> I mean, that's his yeah. market, I've got Hawaii. No, uh, I give Rhett a hard time, but um, but yeah, we do studies in all 50 yeah, states. Cool. A lot of times we can do these virtually, which keeps the cost down for the investor as well as us. We can just set up a video conferencing app where we can do our site visit virtually and, and knock these out pretty easily, so. One thing that we do at our firm, we don't bill by the hour, hmm. so. Feel free, you guys, if you're listeners, use this as a resource. I mean, Hmm. that's something I didn't state, but we answer the phone as as often as we can. Um, I answer my cell phone as often as I can. We've got an 800 number you can call, get one of us on the phone, say, hey, here's my situation. What do you think? We're not going to bill you by the hour. I mean, don't call me and ask me about child tax credits because I know nothing about that. But (laughs) anything (laughs) depreciation related, we're happy to help. So, perfect. I love it. Thank you. That was awesome. Yeah.
2: Hey guys, thanks for watching. Uh, Like this video, share it with all your friends, any of your investor friends who might need or benefit from a cost segregation analysis, send this episode to them. Share it with
3: your
0: non-investor friends who should be investor friends. Indeed. The ones that are always complaining about paying too much taxes, right here.
2: Yeah. If you want to get in touch with us, shoot us a text at 801-228-7687. Make sure you mention the show you can email us at the Utah real estate show at gmail.com. You can watch this show on YouTube and you can listen on Apple podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you learned something, or if you really love this show, give us a like on YouTube and drop a rating on Apple podcasts or wherever you listen. The Utah real estate show is a production of hive collective at Presidio real estate with support from security home mortgage. The NMLS number for Security Home Mortgage is 178787. The NMLS number for Jason Christiansen is 240472, Equal Housing Lender. Not only is this not legal or investment advice, but you should definitely talk to a pro before you make any real estate decision. Every situation is different and should be considered in context. Copyright Jason Christiansen, Eric Wist, and Tyler Kazare. All rights reserved. Talk to you next week. So I'm I'm say, I'm I'm hey Eric. That's my whole contribution to this thing. Pretty much you talking enough anyway. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Hey Eric. Yeah. You both yeah. have to say
1: Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, all right.
2: Let's try this again. Okay, so when I say hey Eric, that's when you go, hey. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Eric, are you gonna be with us or are you going on your phone? We'll see. Do I have to collect your phone? <laughs> I, so.
0: I feel like
3: so. What? No, I, th- I was going to say, I feel like I'm asking all the questions, but it sounds like you're going to ask <laughs> well, no, yeah, the question. I don't the question. Mean, I, I sit there and listen <laughs> Yes, yes. So, Tyler's getting. It's got to be <laughs> the ability to be. I'm used. straight
0: white. Yes. Just yes. so you know. Like, I'm. There's black over here, and I'm. Funny's so. exactly. going bye bye no matter what. White. Ah. Dance, Eric. Dance.
1: Thank you, Eric. Those damn auto lights. <laughs> wow. We were so close to. So we like I know. 30 we were wrapping out.
3: Any, any brilliant ideas? We no, I got nothing. Just My just mind is blown. Like That's why I was I'm scared to ask. Because I can't remember. There was so much information. just <laughs> kept pushing stuff up. And all I thought was bicycle.
1: Bicycle. Go buy a bike on the way home. There you go. Right here. I, I love the internet. Right there here.